Hey guys, we are back today, Savannah and Mary, and we're so excited. This episode is going to have our first guests. We are going to be bringing on Liz and Candice, and they are med spa owners of Privé Aesthetics in Dallas, Texas, and we're so excited. But before we jump to a sneak peek, what we're going to talk about today, I need to catch up with Mary because we didn't have our voice memo today. I know. saving it for the podcast. Well, we are approaching this with a new strategy. It involves champagne on Fridays. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So now we are going to be able to be just a little bit more honest and raw and real with you guys because we've been warmed up with some liquid courage. Yes, (laughs) the best way to do it. And then if y'all don't know this about us, we are pro voice memos. All the way, we'll send like 15 minute voice memos to each other probably five times a day, every day. This is our own hot take. But we made an executive decision. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do it on days that we're recording because we don't want to get all of our fun conversations out before we join. For the podcast, we're saving them for you. So we need to catch up. We really do. Because <laughs> normally it's 5 a.m. You've got voice texts going back and forth. Yeah. That's also a controversial opinion. We should make a poll about that. We should. Are you pro voice memos or not? Yes. Some people hate them. Yes. But we love them. We love them. It's so much easier. better. We have too many things to say to have to type it all out. My thumbs can't move that fast. No. Maybe some people can, but I just can't do it. Yeah. And I love hearing your voice. Yeah. (laughs) It's fun. (laughs) It's fun. And we can really get it all out there. Mary will sing to me every now and then. She has a song for me. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But anyways, Mm -hmm. we need to catch up. How was your cake decorating class last night that you did? You guys, this was such a fun activity. You have to do it at some point. Yeah. There was, I think, 14 of us girls, and we decorated these little mini heart-shaped cakes for Valentine's Day. Yeah, it was a super fun time. How are you? Are you feeling better? I am. Thank goodness. I think it was just a weird, like, cold that I had yesterday. I'm feeling better today. I was just down in the dumps. But it's great. I think I'm going to be scheduling Maverick's neutering appointment today following uh, this recording. It's time. It's time. He's, he's over almost, a year old. He's almost two. We should, but we he's so that big. They months. said to wait until he got close to, they said like 18 to 24 months. You have to make the decision because it affects like their head size, their development. Oh my gosh. They can get like really sick and like cancers if they like get it done too early. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. That is crazy. I had Leo in there when yeah. he was six months. I was like, let's go. We got a chop chop. I think it depends. How much does Leo weigh? Uh, 55 pounds. Okay, it was okay. so weird. Yeah, I don't okay. want to go. Maverick's 95. So I mean, it like, I think with how big That's he is, they were like, you got to wait. But I found a great place in Allen. I'm going to take him to. Love it. It'll be perfect. Good. I think all of Christian's family has everything done there for their animals. So okay, good. we'll just go there. I'll drop him off. I'll get his little chip chop. And then we'll, we'll bring out. him back. Hell great. Yes. Will you get the prosthetic? No. Honestly, maybe I should. Is that a thing? I, it's going to be. Yes. For dogs? I saw this on a Keeping Up with the Kardashians no. episode. They looked at them for their dog. They were getting neutered. And there's like inserts that you can put into their stack so that it looks like they have balls. <laughs> well, Leo's is just flat now. So I, well, right. I didn't know that they leave the sack behind. Yeah. I, I didn't either until it's I saw it. I was like, that's interesting. There's like a sack. <laughs> it's not cute. It's, it's <laughs> not. But I, now I'm like, he's almost two years old. It's going to be weird for me to imagine him without balls. I know. Because he's full grown. He's that's why you got to do it when they're babies. Cause it's not as big of a deal. It's not. They're still. But it's fine. You know, it's totally fine. <laughs> we'll survive. To learn more about the Aesthetic Edit Podcast, follow us on social media at the Aesthetic Edit Podcast. We can be found on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We'd love to hear from you if you have show ideas or guest recommendations for our future podcast episodes. We are so excited. Today, we are interviewing our first guests. We're here with Candice and Liz, the owners of Prevay Aesthetics a gorgeous med spa in Dallas. They've had so much success and we have so many fun things to talk about with them today. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. We're so excited. We are. Our first podcast. Yes, here we are. I'm so glad we're your first. Yeah. (laughs) I know. We have so many things to talk about. So I want to just dive in and just start with your background and how did you get started and how did you find yourself in aesthetics? I want to start with Candice first. Okay. So I moved to Dallas on a whim from Oklahoma uh, about seven years ago, probably. And um, a girl here was um, the RN at Purvey. It was Purvey mm-hmm. Med Salon or Salon something. And, Salon yeah, and Med Spa. Something. something. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, I knew her from mm-hmm. Oklahoma and she, um, she was like, hey, you do some modeling. Would you like to model for us? We're getting our website started. We'll do your mm-hmm. Botox for free. 
I was yeah. like, well, yeah, absolutely, no brainer. Easy answer. And so I do it. And then she's like, hey, my boss wants to meet you. Do you want to go like on a double date? And I was like, yeah, sure. Oh, cool. And so that's how I met my husband. We got married a year later. And oh, then gosh. we just, he let me kind of take over from there. Yeah. And the rest is history, really. That is so cool. So you were modeling yeah. and then just like through one of your jobs, yep. you met the love of your life. Yep. You guys now have kids, right? Two kids. What are their names? They? Copeland and Callum. <gasps> so sweet. So sweet. Oh my God. It just seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so Liz, what is your background? How did you enter into aesthetics? Oh, I mean, way, way back when, when I graduated, I went straight into ER and trauma nursing. So that was kind of my original ER, you know, nursing background. Mm -hmm. And honestly, y'all, it just was a fluke thing. I don't, mm -hmm. it wasn't my intention. It wasn't my career path. So I thought, and I, um, you know, spent about six and a half years in ER and trauma. So saw a lot, did a lot, loved it a lot. And I, you know, had a couple girlfriends that we uh, had an ongoing text thread and I would come out of my 12 hour day to 200 messages and wow. they basically <laughs> solved the world's problems and I haven't went to the restroom yet. So oh, I was wow. like, what am I doing wrong here? And one worked with pediatrics, which, you know, I was passionate about, but not to dive in fully. The other one worked at a plastic surgeon's office oh, and geez. she circulated for him in the OR and I just kind of picked her brain about her job. and just kind of putting fillers out on what, what, what are the options and fast forward, no real intentions to switch fast forward about six months. She texts me and calls me and is like, Hey, I'm pregnant. You should come be, you know, his maternity relief while I'm gone. And I did, I interviewed, they hired me. I was still working three twelves in the ER capacity, two to three days a week circulating for him. Wow. And it was just such a, a a mental shift for me, you know, going from, you know, the worst day of everyone's life and being mm -hmm. a part of those experiences to getting up earlier, getting myself together. You know, I had to put makeup on. I had to get ready. I was going to a plastic surgeon's office. <laughs> I would open the door, pre-op the first patient, you know, get everything ready. And when I would open the door for the patients, they're smiling. And it was just such a change. Like, okay, it can, you know, people can be excited to see you. I had only been in you know, the ER capacity where it's usually not a great smiling experience mm -hmm. for the most part. And so it was just something that I was like, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And it just kind of took off from there. They had a nurse injector there that had been there a long time. And we toggled the idea during the interview of me kind of cross training and they had had her for years and years, didn't really, you know, they didn't know me at that point. Mm -hmm. And so once I got in, they got to know me, they kind of took me under their wing and kind of taught me some things. And I started injecting, you know, my friends and family under their guidance. And then it was like, okay, I kind of enjoy this and everyone's liking what I'm doing. And mm -hmm. so it was just, you know, a change that I didn't know I needed. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of dove head first. I went to multiple trainings. My ER brain wanted to know everything there was to know about everything. And that. so once I got that kind of under my belt, it was going to be a side gig, a side hustle that, you know, yeah, or, or yeah. at least be able to treat myself, my family, yeah. my friends, you know, <laughs> and then I started interviewing and it became, okay, well, people are taking this seriously. And mind you, this is 10 years ago almost now. So it was a lot different. Um, and, you know, I got a full-time position and I just kind of ran with it. And then, you know, it's been the best career change of my life. It has given me so much opportunity. And mm -hmm. it's just, it was one of those things that I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. Am I going to be fulfilled? Am I going to enjoy, you know, office hours? And mm -hmm. I thrive in kind of a chaotic environment. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it was like, am I going to get that, you know, sense of, you know, fun in my job because it takes a very strong personality to work in an ER setting and, and make it a long time. And mm -hmm. you kind of have this camaraderie. And so I didn't know if I was going to get that from this, you know, new profession. And it was just kind of a way of life, a different, you know, I had to kind of change my mindset through it all. Yeah. And it, it's been the best thing I've ever done now. Oh, I wow. love that. I feel like one thing that could be really hard is the transition of you having to kind of be emotionless when you're in yes. something like an ER yes. trauma position to where yes. you're really working with people like you said it best it's kind of their worst day of their life yeah. usually and then you're moving to then helping people meet their beauty goals or something and so you have to be a little bit more emotionally mature available, and available. yes it, you know it it's it I hate to say it because you do I mean when you're in that capacity for so long 
you subconsciously put walls up mm-hmm. to be able to take care of yourself in the positions that you're taking care of other people. Yeah. And so it was a mental shift and it was, you know, one of those things that I had to, you know, I, I think it gave me a renewed passion for those things to mm-hmm. be able to be, have that emotion and have that passion and be able to, you know, kind of shift my mind that direction, but it was difficult. And, you know, it's, I worried so much. Am I going to feel fulfilled in this position? You know, Mm -hmm. I went from my job satisfaction was saving someone's life Mm -hmm. and I still haven't topped that. You know, that is still the best thing I've ever done in my life, but there's a lot to be said about helping people live it too. You know, being able to facilitate and foster a place where someone can feel, you know, comfortable and, you know, really be able to make the most of their life. You know, I had a specific situation kind of early on in my injector career. I had a little old lady that came in and she was, you know, past 70 and she, her grandson was getting married. She never had anything done, no laser skincare. I mean, she, she needed help and she wanted it and she wanted to feel good for her grandson's wedding. And you know, she just like, do what you need to do. And so I was like, okay, let's do it. And so (laughs) we did it. And I gave her the mirror and she cried. And that was just like that aha moment where it was like, okay, this is something that, that does make me feel fulfilled knowing that she's going to go into this, you know, huge moment of her life and her family and feel the best she could possibly do. You know, Mm -hmm. that gave me kind of a passion, like, okay, now this is something I can get into. And worst case, I'm still good at being an ER nurse. So I can always go back to that if this doesn't work out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. I love hearing about your experience in the ER. And it sounds like you were able to take a lot of those moments and those lessons into the work you're doing now. And, And the work you're doing also is still incredibly fulfilling because you are impacting people's lives. And so I'm curious, just, Candace, you know, whenever you guys first started working together, what did that kind of look like whenever you guys started, you know, put your heads together, started painting this vision that you have for this practice you're wanting to operate and run and and what kind of what did that process look like? So we always joked about it, um, like, Liz, come over, come over. But then in the back of my husband's done a lot of business with friends, you know, a lot of times it just doesn't work out well. Just sad. Mm-hmm. It's sad, but I've seen a lot of friendships not be friendships anymore because of it. Mm -hmm. So, and I did not want that to happen with her. I mean, she's been a best friend for 10 plus years. So, um, we talked about it and she was like, you know, like maybe we should really talk about this more, like really be serious. Like you and I have never fought. We mesh so well. Like I just really, let's run scenarios and see what could possibly go wrong. Like how would we handle this if this happened? Like if we were to get into a fight about something, like we have to know friendship is first, you know, like before anything else like we're not going to lose that yeah like she'll just go somewhere else like we're not yeah. just gonna, we're not gonna lose our friendship over over business so that was so important to us and we just we've been in doing this for two three years yeah. haven't had yeah. one fight that I can think of like if she if we have something that comes up she's like what are you thinking and we are thinking the same thing yeah. on we've, how to handle it we've definitely been very blessed in that yeah. regard we you know kind of put <clears throat> okay these are like worst case scenarios mm-hmm. for our business. And so we kind of sat down and mapped out, okay, if this worst case scenario happened, what do we do here? Mm-hmm. If this worst case scenario happens, what do we do here? And so we kind of really thought through, again, I worked with worst case scenarios. So that's where my brain, brain goes all the time. And so we just kind of thought it out. You know, if, if this happens, this is what we do. And this is how we handle it to salvage our friendship. If it yeah. worst comes to worst. And we say this all the time, business is business. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of have to you talk about putting walls up. You know, yeah. sometimes we have to reestablish those walls and we say, okay, put on, put on your business owner hat today. And yeah. this is what we're going to talk about from this capacity, or this is what we're doing for this day. And, you know, and we've been really good about separating those things. When we do go to social things together, we do have, we don't talk about business. Mm-hmm. That's, no, you know, yeah, we no. don't do that. Our social time is our social time. And, you know, we talk all day, every day, not on voice memos. And so, it, you know, we kind of have really, you know, been able to separate and compartmentalize that for a lot of, for a lot of reasons. And I think it's been successful for us. Mm-hmm. Again, our brains think alike. We, you know, mm-hmm. kind of have different weaknesses and different strengths. And so mm-hmm. we've been fortunate enough that those really come together for us as, a, as friends, business, every capacity in between. Oh. 
Yeah. And it's harder for Liz because she has to wear her injector hat all day. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm, I, I'm business, 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 and I'm texting her. And she's like, Candace, let me get done with my injector yes. hat. Yes. And then we can talk about this because yes. my brain's going 50 different ways. I need to concentrate yes. on work. And so yeah. then I've had to, you know, be better about not talking business while she has a full day of injecting because yeah. at the end yeah. of the day, she's having to do two jobs. Yeah. Come five o'clock, six o'clock. So, yeah. I love that. One of our big philosophies is when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I love that you guys had conversations. I think it's so important to think ahead. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge part, I think, of business success is like not only having the vision, but thinking three, five years ahead of what are we doing? Why are we doing it? Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever talk about your core values or did that just naturally happen? I heard you say blessing. So some, I'm a big believer in God just brings people together at the right time. And I think that's what, I mean, obviously I attribute a lot of, of those things, you know, it became a point where Purvey as a business was kind of stagnant in what they were doing. I, as an injector and an employee was stagnant in where I was. And so again, these weren't conversations that we hadn't had casually. And then it was like, you know, it was just that right moment when we're like, okay, well, maybe this is something. And so yeah. it's like, okay, let's put the wine. She wasn't champagne that time. We're going to put the wine down. And then we'll talk about this tomorrow with yeah. clear head and, and really kind of see if this is something we want to embark on. And it, yeah. it, it was. Yeah. And, and we brought our husbands with us too. Yeah. And because they're both business owners and have yeah. seen this happen time and yeah. time again. And so they played devil's advocate mm-hmm. even more so than we did. Yeah. And that really helped also like, oh, well, we didn't think about that. Mm-hmm how would we do this? You know, we've been really blessed in that, that regard too. you know, both of our husbands own multiple businesses and have, you know, ran, you know, sold, you know, just a plethora of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And so we do, we've taken a lot of takeaways being the wives of those people Mm -hmm. and, you know, seeing the headaches that they go through Mm -hmm. from, you know, a, a solo, you know, entrepreneur perspective. And, you know, we've kind of tried to adapt those to our realm and, you know, really just kind of run with that and prepare for those things. And we're blessed. That is true. That's incredible. And I feel like it can always be so important. Of course, you want to make sure that you're making those decisions together or incorporating people in the team. Like I know Mary and I talk about decisions all the time and we bounce ideas off of the team in general, but also to be able to call on lifelines like y'all were able to utilize your husband and just like outsider um, opinions to kind of look in and play devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. That's always super important because they can kind of have a different perspective Mm -hmm. than somebody who's in the midst of it and experiencing it differently than Mm -hmm. they are. And even from yeah. patient perspective, you know, yeah. we have a good group of girlfriends. And so we utilize them as much as possible. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think about this idea? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, now we're getting into the flow that we've kind of built and established ourselves. And, you know, now we're getting to bring on new treatments and, you know, mm-hmm. delve into other realms of the things that we want to create. And so, but it's been, it's, it's a, a resource we didn't know we needed. You know, mm-hmm. we get to phone a friend anytime we want to, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Yeah. And with you guys working together, it just seems like Purvey just really took off. Reflecting back on the past several years that you guys have not been doing this, is there one major thing or tangible tip or secret that you have of how you think you've been able to lead this practice to the success that it's achieved today? I have a good point here. So it's It's so hard because (laughs) I feel like I told you we get like so many like applicants all the time, like wanting to get get into this business. And it is so hard because you have to have a clientele. Mm -hmm. Like you have, like, it's so hard to start with nothing and be successful. Like we follow this injector group online and it's just day after day, people are closing, people are closing. They can't stay afloat. And so I was telling Elizabeth, they're like, we would still be here had she not came from where she was 10 years of injecting and brought her book of business with her. We would still be here. I mean, it is the only reason we're here. It is like, it is, there's it's just no brainer. Like you have to have a book of business. It is so mm-hmm. hard to not to, yeah. to go anywhere with nobody. I mean, yeah. with you just starting out, like you're just, I mean, it's hard. Even well, when I think she it's, started yeah, out. I think yeah. it's, it's definitely easier when you have kind of a baseline financial support, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't really bring in any other financial support mm-hmm. other than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we had to think, think through that too. You know, what mm-hmm. does this look like? What if, I move over and, you know, these people don't come with me. Like, what is our backup plan? Mm-hmm. And so we did th- think through that. I think, you know, one of our biggest success reasons is just facilitating and fostering a very patient-centered environment. You know, mm-hmm. we bring in people they feel comfortable. That was one thing that 
when we rebranded and I, you know, we were mapping out what does a day in the life of Purvey look like? And I came from a very high paced environment and I, I did not want that. I, mm. I wanted to be able for, you know, my patients feel comfortable, feel, you know, heard, feel seen. And, you know, those are the things that, you know, when they're coming in, they feel cared for and yeah. they feel they're in a professional environment. You know, it's, it's such a mesh between art and science when it comes to art and medicine, when it comes to aesthetics, that we have to facilitate both, both sides. And so we want it to be, we are a medical facility. We want it mm -hmm. to be a medical facility, but we don't want you to feel like you're at a rinky dink doctor's Just office. In and out. Yeah. 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 I love that. That was my question was about how did you develop that book of business? But it sounds like you have such a high level of awareness of what that patient experience needs to look and feel like. And this is something we talk a lot about with our clients. I really think that with the aesthetics industry, it's so important to study what does that type of customer service need to look yeah. like? We love studying Ritz-Carlton, yeah. Disney, yes. because it's this cash pay fee for mm -hmm. service. It's yes. saturated, it's competitive. So you guys have really mastered that. And as a team, it seems like everybody is in alignment there. It, and we definitely are. I think it even to this day, you know, I will get new consultations and we'll come in and, you know, even the nitty gritty of the worst case adverse events that we're talking about for these procedures, there are still people now and in this, you know, day and age, I've never heard that before. I've had my lips done 20 times and I've never heard that you can go blind from this. And so, you know, I am all about an educated patient again from, I think the carryover, you know, going back to the ER thing, I think the carryover from that you know, being able to read the room, understand the needs of the patient. You can look in their eyes. Are they scared? Yeah. Are they excited? And you know how to kind of segue the conversation that's either going to make them feel more comfortable or you get excited with them and, you know, yeah. you go through those things. So I think, you know, being able to foster a relationship, a, a personal relationship, you know, these are people that are relying on you for their well-being, for their, you know, out exterior well-being and feeling good about themselves. And a lot of times, it, you know, it turns into a therapy conversation, yeah. you know, yeah. so and she's so thorough, like you oh. feel like, you know, her by the time she will walk and doesn't know this person walking them up to the front and hugging them. If you need anything, mama, just let me know. <laughs> Call me. You have a cell phone number. Like oh you gosh. feel like, you know, her by the time you leave. Right. Like, and that's, I think that's so important. I Is mean, that something that y'all have looked into when you're hiring injectors at your aesthetics med spa? Are you looking for people with similar experience like you? Because I know that some people might feel like they have to have that med spa experience before they can start injecting. But if they come from a background similar to you and they have that knowledge and that same kind of if anything goes wrong, like here's yes. exactly what I can do. Yes. I think, you know, I think it's a double edged sword. I think, yeah. you know, I have people that come shadow me a lot and, you know, I have people that reach out to me and how did you do this? What did you do? And, you know, I think getting a base background in any type of environment as far as a nursing career, you're going to get that, you know, you're going to get that experience. You're going to get that ability to, to know what to do. Mm -hmm. I think that is invaluable. I think that is part of what has led to my success being in the aesthetic, you know, industry. Um, I do think you need experience as business owners. Of course we look for experience. You know, those are one of those things that if you, if you're really good at your skill set, you know, we can try to build on that too, but being able to understand med, you know, medicine in a, a brief capacity from ER trauma, you know, whatever the realm you start in and then being able to get that experience, you know, I think that's what made me marketable in the first place. Yeah. You know, I came from a really aggressive background. I, I had, you know, experience in a plastic surgeon's office. You know, I didn't really have a book of business, but I knew the way, you know, a surgery center went, you know, mm -hmm. an aesthetics providing surgery center went. Yeah. Just knowing the flow and the way you're supposed to treat a patient and what the expectations are, it was way different from my ER background, but it definitely gave me a whole picture to present to these employers. Mm -hmm. So I think that is, you know, one of the things I tell my shadowers, you know, get that base knowledge, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, med surge, you know, whatever appeals to you. When I was hiring Madison as our first and she was our only injector, mm -hmm. like I was 100% looking for experience because mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody else that had experience. Mm -hmm. So I needed her to have experience because our patients, the first thing they're going to ask is, well, how long has she been doing this? Yeah. 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 Oh, well, she's brand new. Like never done this before. Like, mm -hmm. well, see ya. Yeah. You know, like I wouldn't let somebody touch my face like that, honestly. So <laughs> yeah. I was really looking for that. I think I would be more lenient now, you know, having multiple injectors in there mm -hmm. and them being able to train right. with them and 
shadow them all the time, I think I would be more apt to to hire someone with not as much experience, but Mm -hmm. um, I think it's very dependent on the situation. To connect with today's guests, you can follow them on Instagram at Aesthetics. You know, Liz, you had a really good point about just educating your patients and really empowering them to make decisions around their health and their body and their appearance. And today we really want to dive into the crazy world of weight loss injections, mm-hmm. semaglutide. People know it as Ozempic, Monjaro. And before we dive into this hot topic, oh. I do want to just put a disclaimer out there for anyone listening that we are working with, we're, we're speaking with medical providers who are going to speak on their experiences. But as with any medical topic that we speak on on this show, we highly encourage you to consult with your medical provider. Um, yeah. We're sharing our experiences um, from an honest place, but we are in no means are um, speaking on your behalf or, you know, consulting you that you have to do things a certain way. So with that said, okay. what, <laughs> you know, it's crazy to me how much misinformation happens in the aesthetics industry. And it's honestly quite frustrating right. as someone who works in the, in the space. People are very opinionated about Ozempic <laughs> semaglutides. Why do you think it's creating this crazy reaction that it is? There definitely is. I think it's a multifaceted um, conversation. I think, you know, there's a lot of bias and stigma for obesity. And I think, you know, it started in the, in the, the space that, you know, we had this new medication and it was working well for people with diabetes and they were losing this weight and they were keeping it off and they were, there were all these health benefits. And then you know, slowly kind of transitioned over into the weight loss space. And, you know, people kind of got us, you know, they thought, oh, they're stealing all the diabetic medication. And, you know, the media kind of played on that. So I think that started the negative connotation about these medications specifically. I think it has been a generalized issue for a long time, you know, from way, you know, forever, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that there's one thing specifically that makes it that targeted other than the fact that it's gotten all of this publicity lately. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, as the general public goes into more of a a health and wellness and functional medicine, and, you know, they kind of think of this as like a cheat code, you know, or that, Mm -hmm. you know, they're working so hard and getting these results and it takes them all of this time, effort and energy to maintain it. And, you know, people that truly suffer from obesity and diabetes and these type of um, comorbidities, you know, are, are using this as, you know, magic pill, magic shot. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of what, where it stems from. Um, I don't think there's one specific issue, but mm-hmm. I think, yeah. you know, social media gives the, the ability for people to, you know, have opinions and strong opinions and voice them. And so yeah. we battle that, you know, with our patients. And with this being one of the things that y'all offer at your med spa, tell us a little bit about the process, the decision, the research that went into actually making that decision of wanting to offer this as a service at your med spa. So I'll take this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so we, we were late to the game getting this out because we wanted to make sure we did it right. We consulted with our MDs, like, mm-hmm. you know, put our protocols in place. Um, how are we going to handle this? If this happens, um, what lab work do we want to see? Do they want to see before, you know, approving somebody we make, we make them fill out a pre-questionnaire um, with all their medical history background, really extensive. Um, so we see that before they even come in. Mm. Um, so if we go through and we're like, oh, this is this is a no, mm-hmm. you know, so we'll just call them, let them know the reasoning why mm-hmm. we're so sorry, but we just don't feel like you're a good candidate for this. Um, and, you know, some people get a little frustrated with mm-hmm. us, but at the end of the day, like, we want you to be safe before yeah. anything else. Like, we're not risking our business over just you want to lose five pounds and you have this medical history that doesn't allow you to do it. And so sorry, you know, yeah. and not just our business, you know, their health yeah. at the yeah. end of the day, this is still a medication. Yeah. It is still needs to be followed medically. You know, the aesthetic benefits are great, mm-hmm. but you know, it needs to be followed from a medical pe- capacity. It is yeah. a medication. It is just like a blood pressure medication. It is, you know, any of the medications you take, you have to weigh risk and reward. And, mm-hmm. you know, those are the things that we kind of facilitate with the patient. You know, we get their medical history. We do an extensive you know, medical history, you know, as far as, 
you know, just their general. And then, you know, what are they doing to facilitate their weight loss? What have they done? What have they tried? What are they doing? And, you know, what is their exercise regimen? And is their lifestyle going to Mm -hmm. take this after they're done with this? Yeah. Is it conducive to weight loss? And, you know, what are the changes that they need to make to make this successful? Yeah. Who would you say is not an ideal candidate? And for the providers and med spa owners listening or practice owners, what advice do you have on consulting with those patients Mm -hmm. who just are not good for this medication? You know, we have to take a lot of things into account, not just their general medical history and generally where they are. You know, we we deal with body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. We deal with eating disorders. We deal with those type of mental capacities to this. And, you know, it's, it, you can't, you know, again, I, ER helps with those things too, but you know, she gets to see a lot of those patients first and foremost. And so that's where, you know, going into those conversations and really trying to develop that trust that they open up to you about those Mm -hmm. things, because, you know, a lot of them don't disclose that aside, you know, we have a BMI criteria, we have, you know, things that completely negate you from being a potential candidate for our treatment, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we, we use, all of those things to kind of make an educated and medical decision for their care. And and when we, you know, have them as part of those conversations. So, you know, definitely there are adverse reactions, just Mm -hmm. like with anything we do in our practice, there are bad things that can happen. And so making sure that we have educated patients on what to look for, that these are the risks and those are the things we, you know, go through with them. Is Mm -hmm. this the right fit for you? And then, you know, we follow up, you know, every yeah. three weeks yeah. to make sure that we're still on the same track to yeah. keep we that do in our, a, a safe we do our pretty much a, a new consultation every three weeks. We mm-hmm. see them okay. back in, we weigh them again, see where we're at on the weight. We do their vitals again. Mm-hmm. Um, we do their blood work every six months um, just to, to make sure everything's still, everything's still looking healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure their side effects are minimal. If, if they, if they are having side effects, we adjust it. We adjust mm-hmm. the medication to where it needs to be. It's a little scary because I hear people come in and they're like, oh, well, I was on it and I just did a telemedicine call yes. and didn't have my lab work done, didn't yes. have my blood drawn. Just yes. They just didn't even weigh me, just yes. wow, gave me wow. the medication. And we're like, oh, I'm sorry. that If that's what you're looking for, that that's is not, not here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's so not here. We were trying to bring this on. You know, like she said, we were a little late to the game. It's because we really took what we wanted to create with this and not just being a weight loss option. Like this is a general well-being. This is part of your health and wellness journey. This is part of making you feel good, look good, which is what, you know, our ethos is for our brand. And Mm -hmm. so we, we took every step and meticulously thought out, okay, this is what we're going to do in these situations. Again, we toggled all of these worst case scenarios because there are real, real issues that can happen if it's abused or not done correctly. Yeah. I think it's so great that y'all are doing everything that you can before determining if somebody is a right fit yeah. for this type of a treatment. Mm-hmm. Because clearly with the stigma that's been built around this, it's probably the result from people that are able to just yes. call somebody really yes. fast and be like, hey, like, I know you don't yes. have to weigh me or see anything yes. on my medical history, but can I get these injections to lose weight? And there are, there are places that do that. And, yeah. and it's unfortunate because I think those are the type of situations, you know, we have them do this pre-questionnaire and they have to put their goal weight. And mm-hmm. some of the goal weights we get, y'all, it is just so far-fetched to yeah. think that that is going to be your normal, mm-hmm. that we have to have those conversations with them. If we, you know, it's hard because you don't like to say those kind of things over the phone. So, we, you know, in those situations, we'll bring them in and, you know, kind of dive deep just from a, hey, sister, this is not, yeah. this is not where you yeah. need to be. Yeah. And these are not the expectations you need to have of yourself. And people truly don't know anything about it. They yeah. don't know yeah. what yeah. it is. Yeah. They, have they don't no know why clue. it works or care. what it's doing. They've just heard about it. And yeah. they're like, yeah. I want to do this. My friend's yeah. on it. Yeah. You know, yeah. my, my aunt's on it. Yeah. You know, yeah. she looks great. Yeah. We really do our consultations and we go into really what it is and what it does and what it can affect um, down the road. So much so. better to have like yeah. a patient that's upset with you for not putting them yes. on it than again, like you said, risking their health. Yes. At the end of the day, that's, that is their life. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. these affect every part of your body, every function in your body to some degree. Mm -hmm. And so those are the things that you think, oh, I'm losing weight, but there are things on a cellular level that are happening inside your body that you don't even take into account. So we have to take that into account for you and then help make a guided decision. Yeah. So let's talk about a butt 
an Ozempic base. <laughs> oh gosh. Is this a real thing? Yes. Can it be avoided? <laughs> what what is so this all about? That was really so quick, quick to answer. answer. Well, <laughs> as a personal sufferer of Ozempic, but I will tell you it can be a thing. Um, it is basically when you lose so much weight very quickly that mm-hmm. that you lose muscle tone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, is it treatable? Yes. There are things that you can do to help kind of facilitate some of that growth. First and foremost, you know, even you know, like we talked about consultation, you know, making sure that you're getting adequate protein, that you're doing resistance training. You have to kind of prepare your body to be able to lose that much weight to be able to retain the good stuff. You know, as yeah. we lose weight, you know, as a female, you lose it from your boobs, you lose it from yeah. your butt. And all so all of the stuff that makes you places. feel female confident, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you can definitely lose that too. So it, it is real and yeah. it is treatable in some degree um, with injectables and things like that. Um, but it's usually case by case basis. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point to make here. I think from a a general public perspective, it's like, oh, well, you know, you're just going to end up looking like you have a shallow face, you have no butt. And I'm like, okay, well, what about like with anything, if we increase our protein intake, we start drinking protein shakes instead. It's not like you can get on this medication, have one piece of pizza a day and like, that's it. And that is so true. And those are, you know, that nutrition console is part of, it's part of the puzzle. And so making sure that they're staying well hydrated, making sure you're getting protein. I, that's what we tell our we patients all the time. Protein. You're you're not going to want to eat as much. So you find a protein shake that you like. Yeah. Figure out yeah. how to make it the ice cream that you want or the, the smoothie <laughs> yeah. that you want. You know, there's ways that you can still feel fulfilled, but getting that to be able to nourish your body in the capacity that you need to, to do it safely. Um, you know, you get muscle wasting in your face and fat loss mm-hmm. in your face. And yeah. so you can look sunken and hollow. From my personal experience, I'd worked really hard to lose about 14 pounds before our big Europe trip. And I got back, my husband, you know, had gained some weight. So took him in to just kind of delve into it before we did. And so he got on it and the doctor was like, well, if you want to try it. And again, we'll talk, you know, consultation, those kind of things, but I got on it and I did it for about four weeks consistently. And, you know, then I kind of looked in the mirror and I was like, Ooh, like you're looking a little bit gaunt, you know, those kind of things. And so then I, you know, tapered off of it and mm-hmm. increased those things. And I, you know, I had been so cardio focused and lifting focused prior mm-hmm. to my Europe trip. My, you know, muscle mass wasn't where it, I would have liked it to be to, to be able to prevent some of those things from happening. Yeah. It leads me to another side effect that I feel like we've heard about, too. And it's like when you get off and then you gain all of the weight back or even yeah. double the weight. And I think that's what's really important with how y'all are incorporating the nutritionist and everything into the puzzle piece of yeah. trying to decide if somebody's a good fit is that this is so much more than just a way to lose weight, but it's a lifestyle, it's a lifestyle change. And you have yes. to make sure that they're actually yeah. going to keep up exactly. with it. Exactly. And yeah. you, that's where you can spot it from the door yeah. if yeah. they're going right. to do it or not. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we haven't really done a big marketing push for this. It's really been one of the things that we've just incorporated with our current patient clientele. Mm -hmm. It's been so successful that, you know, we get new patients just for weight loss now at this point. And I think it's because we are very thorough with it. Yeah. I would love to hear your opinion and experience with this medication, um, just around how it impacts your patient's mental health. I know whenever I tried it, what I realized is that it changed my self-esteem and yeah. so many positive ways. I've had several conversations with women who have tried it and there's such a positive benefit there when it's done correctly. Yeah. And like you said, with the right lifestyle choices, it yeah. just makes those decisions, you know, easier to make whenever you're not anxious or worried about what you're going to eat or that hunger pain is yeah. kind of removed. Yeah. So what has y'all's experience been with that? So when I have somebody come in and they're like, they feel so defeated because they've been trying to lose weight for six months. They've been on this diet plan. They've been on this exercise plan. And I always tell them like, this is a great head start. Like you're in the right direction. You've got the right lifestyle in place, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're eating right. You're working out. Like I see you're doing the work, but you're just not seeing the results and it's defeating. So I'm like, this is, this is great for you, you know, pending the lab results and everything. But um, so then they get on it and then, you know, maybe they lose five pounds in the first month, two months, they're 10 pounds. And they're like, oh my God, I just feel like a new human being. Like this is what I wanted. And now I have what I need to keep it, to keep myself accountable for lifestyle change. Right. So they're, they're there at that point because they've been practicing it for a long time. And this was just a help to get the weight off. Now they have it 
where they can keep it. Yeah. And they're just psychologically just so much better. They're just like, mm-hmm. I thank you. Like, thank yeah. you so much. Like this is everything I wanted. And it, yeah. Yeah. And it is life changing for a lot of people. It is. And as women, you know, we are doing so many things in this day and age. We're business owners, we're entrepreneurs, we're raising yes. families. We are, our schedules are strapped. And so we're stressed <laughs> a little bit too. Yeah. And so the easy thing to do is to some days go a little bit over what your calorie budget would be. I mean, it's yeah. calories and calories out at the end yeah. of the day with, with weight management. And sometimes the really strong workout plan, the diet plan still isn't enough to get you to that goal weight. And so that's where I found this medication to be just so impactful and just such a positive thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But And cuts the cravings. Like it's yeah. cutting the bad stuff out of your life. Like mm-hmm. all the sugar we into that we eat is so mm-hmm. terrible for us. Like, yeah. and this is helping you not do that. It's helping you not put crap into your body at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, it's great. <laughs> it is so good. And it also just kind of, you know, some of the controversial things that are being said, we've, we're in a culture now where we're extremely accepting of a lot of things. And there's a lot of positives to that. But there are some, some risks of certain lifestyles and choices and just on our overall health. And so with that said, have you guys found, have you gotten any backlash on offering this from communities that are really, you know, body positive and really are accepting of being overweight, being obese? Because as we all know, a third of America is obese, two thirds of America is overweight. That's two thirds of our country are living an unhealthy lifestyle, but we're in a place where we're accepting of it. So have you guys had any conversations or backlash of, being providers of this medication? You know, we really haven't. We we haven't. We've been very fortunate in that. And again, I think when those conversations come up, it's it's all about education. You know, mm-hmm. yes, we can be body positive to someone who doesn't look exactly like me, but at the same time, what are the health repercussions of mm-hmm. staying in that, you know, at that level? Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you have a lot of body fat. What is the strain doing on your other organ function? Mm-hmm. What are the things that you can precurse in the later stages of your life that, that can impact you in a negative way. Like, yes, we can be potty positive for every body shape and style. But at the same time, when you look at it from a medical perspective, you know, what does that look like? What is, mm-hmm. what is the trajectory of their health mm-hmm. for the next 5, 10, 20 years if they stay this way or continue to get bigger? Mm-hmm. And you so don't that's have to where be 130 pounds yeah. just get to a healthy mm-hmm. weight. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And, and body fat percentage yeah. because that's what yeah. puts the most strain on your organs. So you're looking at, heart health, you know, you're looking at kidneys, you're looking at, you know, your pancreas, your liver, all of these things that are essential organs for your life are now going to be protected and and nourished in a different way. Yeah. And isn't it true? Like when fat's growing around certain organs, that increases your risk of cancer. Yes, Mm -hmm. So there's all these pieces. Yes. But I know there's also the reverse, you know, Americans, especially with our culture, we're very obsessed with our appearance and it doesn't help that, you know, social media has taken off. We're all working from home on Zoom calls. We're looking at ourselves more than ever before in the history of humanity. And, you know, growing up in the 2000s, for example, I remember looking at celebrities. I was a singer, so I would, you know, follow Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. They were rail thin yeah. and that mm-hmm. was the thing and the low cut jeans yes so, yes oh you know I, I remember being eight years old and like in gym class and looking at my knees and being like oh my god I have a fat knee and it's just like how you know our our culture we we're given all of all of this media so I, mm-hmm. I appreciate now that we've kind of pivoted away from that we've got JLo Kardashians yes. with yes. the big butts and everything but on the flip side um how do we make sure that we are being socially responsible with this medication and and with handling these patients with the ones who come in and you're like, you know what, you are already at a good BMI. Yes. This probably mm-hmm. is not a great yes. option for you. And, you know, BMI is like kind of a hard parameter. I think there's definitely other situations that we deal with. You know, we have a lot of our patients become new moms and they work for mm-hmm. nine months after they've had their baby to really get where they want to be. And their BMI is kind of, you know, on the fence and then, but they're retaining a lot of belly fat. So Mm. that's where we have to be kind of all encompassing for that. I think, you know, we've had specific situations where we've had, you know, girls come in and, you know, they technically qualify and, you know, but, you know, we have, this is a hard stop for you Mm -hmm. when we get you to this weight, which may not even be your goal weight. We are going into this together, both knowing that if you get to this this is where we stop. This is where we put you on a maintenance dose. This is where we 
redirect and weigh risk versus reward with you. And mm-hmm. we have to go into it as a partnership, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and those are the the things that I think that make it a little bit more successful versus is it a hard conversation? Yes. People don't mm-hmm. want to admit when they have body dysmorphia or they have obsessive thoughts about these things. And just like you mentioned, the age of social media and Instagram, you mm-hmm. see these things and it's starting younger and yeah. younger and younger. These girls, you know, 12 years old are coming in, you know, not to us, but you know, you <laughs> see them, yeah. you know, just idolizing, just like you said, you were eight idolizing these people. And mm-hmm. so it, you know, it's so important for us to put out there, you know, stuff to be idolized, you know, yeah. not necessarily, you know, one extreme versus the other, but it, it is definitely, you know, played a factor in every part of the aesthetics business. You know, I have people come in for jawline contouring and they show me these photos and I'm like, well, have you seen her talk like that? Yeah, it mm-hmm. looks great in this one picture, you know, here, but you have to have, you know, come to Jesus talks with people and just say, Hey, this is, you know, this unrealistic. is an unrealistic mm-hmm. expectation of you, your body and yourself. Yeah. Social Practice would love to offer your practice a free social media audit. Visit us on social media at Social Practice US. Click the link in our bio to claim your free audit today. Okay, so I think it's all very clear that there are some negative connotations that can come with social media, but I do think that we should bring some attention that the fact that it can really help grow a business. And there are some positives that can come from social media in the day and age that we live in right now. So what would y'all say is the best way that it's impacted your practice since you've opened it? So just a little back to the beginning, we started in a tiny little, we rented a room in a hair salon, our injector <laughs> did. Okay. So it, at that point, it was just word of mouth. People that were in the salon, oh, we have an injector back here. If you need your Botox done while you're getting your hair done. So it was great. It was just so small. So then fast forward six years, we're in a 2,500 square foot space in Highland Park across from SMU with two injectors, a weight loss coordinator, a laser technician. Did I say that? Yeah. Laser no, technician. No, no. Okay. And two front desk. So it's just really grown. And I think, you know, a huge, a huge part of that is social media and how prevalent it is in our day and age. Like that's just, we're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, yes. we're looking at all the things like that's, I mean, that was, and it was a free marketing tool. Like it yeah. was just a no brainer. And then whenever we found you guys, it was just like, we didn't have the time to do it. So you took that off our plate. And now our, we get so many compliments on our Instagram. We get, we've got so many new patients in the door and it's just really, um, it's really taken us to the next step. Well, and I think too, people get their information from social media. You know, I have a girlfriend in, I'm not a TikToker personally, but she's like, you can find anything you need to know on TikTok. Like whatever you want to do, you can find it. And so I think, customers and consumers in any business look to find information and find resources. And so we, you have to facilitate that portion of your practice. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's hard when you do wear multiple hats to be able to do that and social media, you know, people come in, they want to see before and afters Mm -hmm. and you can have a book of them, but the first thing they're going to do, it's like, okay, go to this, go to this injector. And what's the first thing they do? They're going to look at their Instagram. They're going to do that before they Google who you are usually at this point, depending on their age, you know, and demographic, but it has definitely been a trajectory point for us to be able to grow and continue to grow um, in the the age that we are Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that can be a really common challenge that a lot of people face, especially with practices they are just already wearing too many hats. And yeah. so they, to, to do social media, that's more than just one hat to have to be doing. And yeah. so I love that we were able to take that for, from you and just be able to kind of offer that service for you. Another challenge that we hear a lot is just for providers to get their team on board yes. with participating in the social media because you want to get your team in front, of the, in front of everybody. Because I think in order for people to trust your business, they need to relate to you and they need yes. to see the people that make it up. And so how have y'all found is the best way to go ahead and get your team on board? We don't have a problem there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been so stuff yeah, by they're themselves. in the mix they love their tiktok you know we yeah. we i have colleagues that have practices and you know they will have mandatory requirements for that stuff yeah we don't do that you know we you're your business your own business within our business mm-hmm. so you get you get more clients you get more yeah. business you're going to reap those rewards mm-hmm. so we could we just let them kind of facilitate themselves within you know, all of us have the same ethos for our practice and what we, you know, incorporate and what we want to put out to the world. So we don't have to worry too much. You know, we had one of our injectors and she did all of our social media before you guys came on and she did a great job. But 
again, it's daunting. It's mm-hmm. a whole career path by itself to be able to maintain and do this to a level that you want to. Yeah, yeah. that's a hard one for us because we look forward to content days with you guys. Yeah. It's, y'all make it so fun. And that. Yeah. 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 I feel like we you- look forward to it. Yeah. And I feel like you guys do a great job at leading by example there. Mm -hmm. That's not always the case with all practices, but it seems like whenever you show up in that way and you guys are both so passionate about your business, you are generating new revenue and getting new patients Mm -hmm. in the door just by the work that you're doing and how you're showing it up on social media before we came in. So it's almost like that was already there. But I think that other providers, you know, who maybe they're having a, a more difficult time if they're not, if they're not as active on social media yeah. or they're not as excited yes. about it, but it is so important this day and age. Do you guys have any tips on just what you think they could do to get all the buy-in that they need from their team to make this campaign successful? I think what she said was great. Like it's at the end of the day, it's their bit, like it's your business. If you don't want the, like, why would you not want to advocate for yourself? Why mm-hmm. would you not want to get people in the door to come and see you to yeah. make more money. And at the end of the day, it's incentive. We've set yeah. our pay structure up yeah. to in, in a way that mm-hmm. they make, you know, what they make and then they make money off of the things that they bring in. Yeah. And so yeah. we yeah. make that yeah. enticing to them. Yeah. So that way that gives them something to look forward yeah. to and Motivation. to feel rewarded, not just by the like count that they get, you know, yeah. those kind of things, yeah. but they get financially rewarded. Yeah. And, you know, we do a really good job about making sure that they feel appreciated for those things. We, you know, we do, you know, our, our team days and we just took them to Florida for a team retreat. So we really try to make sure that they feel appreciated for the work that they're doing that may not be running a laser or, or, you know, sticking someone with a needle. Yeah. Yeah, People have to have motivation. You have to have something to make them want to do the work, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's just anybody. Yeah. So with, with that's just what we found worked really well. Yes. Okay. So aside from just all of the growth y'all have experienced from social media, is there one specific win that has been your favorite that you've gotten from social media across the way? You know, I, I don't know that there's one specific. I think it has given us the ability to establish our brand, which has brought on so many opportunities like this one, for example. Um, you know, we were just featured on a television show. You know, we are asked to um, be a part of community events that we may never have heard of because they see us in the community. They see us on Instagram. So-and-so comes here. And so we get to be a part of all of the, you know, breast cancer awareness, CASA, all of these huge things that we're, we're also passionate about that we get to give to them. It's just got, brought a lot of opportunities to our door that I don't think we would have had otherwise. You know, our name our, our names are being talked about in places we're not in and, you know, tables that we're not at. And so those are the kind of things that I do think it has given kind of a, another push to be able to elevate our practice for sure. That is such a good point because there are so many benefits to social media, but being involved in the community and getting that exposure and just getting different opportunities is so cool. I think that could be another episode at some point. Just Absolutely. And how to get more involved in the community and how we can use social media to do that. But we really appreciate you guys for both coming in today well, and sharing you. more about your story and educating us more about how you integrated some glutide into your practice, how we can approach that in a a healthy and safe way. No, I feel like this was incredible. It was so informational. I feel like all of our listeners gained so much insight into what they can do if they want to be opening a practice themselves. They want to make that transition from being an RN into going to aesthetics. Um, And then also just about Ozempic. So thank you all so much for coming on. You're so welcome. Until next time. Yes. Thank thank you. Thank you guys. We enjoyed it. You can find us on social media at the Aesthetic Edit Podcast. We're on all podcast platforms, so don't forget to subscribe and we'd love to hear from you. And follow Social Practice on social media. You can find us at Social Practice US. If you'd like to become a guest on the podcast, visit our webpage at social-practicetx.com slash the-aesthetic-edit.